Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're talking about the vegan diet, the vegan diet for running. We're going to be exploring the advantages and disadvantages of a vegan food plan for runners and also focusing on some of the key nutrients that you need to take into account to make sure that you're a healthy vegan runner. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy to apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance. And especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for a guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Aileen and I'm here with Karen. And as always, we're going to share something personal with you about our nutritional running uh, before we move on to our topic today, which is focusing on the vegan diet for running. And we're asking a question, um, is the vegan diet good for running? But before we do that, Karen, uh, my question is, have you ever followed a vegan diet? Actually, yes, I have, Aileen, but just for limited times only. I haven't done it for any great length of time. I've done veganuary a couple of times. And also, over time, I... I tend to kind of set myself different nutritional challenges. And one of those challenges was to follow a vegan diet for a month. So I've done sort of probably a month at a time I've done um, now and again, but not for any longer than that. And I do find the vegan diet quite challenging, I have to say, because I I personally find it quite restrictive. But what I do also find is that it makes me sort of think outside the box regarding meal ideas, um, foods to buy. Therefore, I find that I explore and use different recipes. And that's quite exciting, actually, I must I must admit. And and also mostly really quite delicious. So I do enjoy doing it, but I just am unable personally to sustain it for a long period of time. But how about you, Aileen? Have you ever tried following a vegan diet? Uh, yes, yeah, I have. Um, like you, I've done the, um, you know, the month at a time. I think you and I actually did it a month together when we were students, and I remember that. I remember being feeling it was quite difficult to follow. Um, but I actually followed a raw food plan um, for a couple of years, and you know 
by default that's vegan and I hadn't really thought about it at the time I was more into thinking about raw food rather than it was vegan and it wasn't until afterwards I started it and sort of reflected I thought actually this is vegan um and I, I really enjoyed um eating a raw food plan and um you know it it was healthy and I enjoyed I enjoyed doing it um it, I think sometimes it, it felt restrictive, um, especially when eating outside of home. Although I think in more recent years, there's just so much, many more choices, um, you know, food that you can buy everywhere and that makes it a lot easier. Um, so I, I sort of changed from a, a totally raw vegan food plan, I suppose, whilst I was studying nutrition. And I think a lot of that was just because we were learning about different foods and the impacts they have. And, and now I do add animal protein to my food plan. Um, but I go through phases of switching back. So a bit like you, you know, I'll jump on and off. So I'm not fully attached to either way. Um, and I've got lots of friends and also clients who are vegan. Um, and I do think it can be a healthy food plan if managed well. Um, so it's going to be interesting chatting today. And I think it's a topic that everybody will be interested in, uh, particularly uh, those who are thinking would a vegan food plan help their running. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people, I suppose, if they're either following a vegan plan based diet for health reasons or maybe ethical reasons and sometimes both so I think it's always interesting to sort of know people's angle of why they're doing it um so so that's that's what I my experience Karen Uh, Mm. but let's move on and introduce our topic for today which we said is all about the vegan diet and running and the big question is, is it suitable uh, for runners? Um, well, we probably, most people will know that there's some well-known runners and other athletes who are vegan. Um, so I guess the answer would be yes. Um, but I don't think it's quite so simple as that because obviously the the sort of famous people have probably got a lot of resources at their fingertips and lots of advice to, to put it into place. Um So today, what we're going to do is delve a little bit deeper into exactly what a vegan diet is, explore some of the potential advantages and disadvantages of the vegan diet for running. And then finally, we'll discuss the nutritional factors of a vegan diet that a runner really would need to consider to make sure that they were getting the most optimal food plan to support their running. Um, So that's that's what we're going to talk about. And... um, you know, the, the vegan diet, if anybody doesn't know, I'm sure everybody does, does come under the umbrella of vegetarianism, um, but it excludes the consumption of any animal products or byproduct. Um, and it's interesting. I think there's different degrees of veganism um, depending on, you know, some people just uh, take in animal proteins out, but they don't necessarily know about the byproducts. So, um yeah, that's something just to consider. So, Karen, what can you tell us about the vegan diet? Well, what I have to say is, Aileen, I think it's definitely on trend at the moment. And, um, you know, it is thought to be linked. It's it's sort of the fact that it's so on trend at the moment is, is thought to be linked to the advent of social media, because that is where 
everybody goes these days, especially the young, to share information, to share their experiences, and also to discuss their opinions on different things, including, I suppose, diet and and lifestyle. And it is um, interesting that uh, apparently millennials are being suggested um, as as an important driver of this trend. So those born sort of around the 2000 mark are, are thought to be the drivers. And actually, in Europe, it's thought that the prevalence of vegans now is between 1% and 10%. Now, the exact number isn't actually known, but it is thought to vary greatly between country to country, hence why there's such a wide um, difference, you know, it goes from one percent to ten percent. So they don't know the exact number, but but it's it's growing, um, and it has grown in recent years. And like you were saying, Aileen, there are lots of different reasons why people um, adopt a vegan approach um, to eating and to lifestyle, but it is generally linked to. Um, either religious or ethical beliefs concerning the welfare of animals, um, but but could also be associated with um, concerns for the environment. It could be linked to cultural and social values, as well as its potential health benefits that um, that that are out there. And like you said, Aileen, there are several well-known athletes who have adopted the uh, vegan diet and they include the likes of um, Venus Williams and the tennis star. I think a lot of people will will already know that. David Hay, who's a former world heavyweight champion boxer, and then my hero, Scott Jurek, you know, the world's fastest ultra distance runner. He's been a vegan um, for, for most of his life. So and I'm sure that's not all of them. There are others, but those are, are, are three anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that um, you, you've widened the reasons why people um, choose to follow a, a vegan or a plant based diet. And I think, like you say, there are quite a lot of environmental concerns um, that are playing into um, how people are approaching their food plan. Um, so hearing that, you know, the big names that you mentioned there, Karen, as you said, that everybody could probably add a few to the list. It would suggest that the vegan diet could be supportive to an athlete. Um, and especially athletes from different sporting disciplines. Um, but is that actually the case? So, Karen, with that question in mind, let's explore the potential advantages of the vegan diet, especially from a runner's point of view, and then we can consider any possible disadvantages um, of this approach uh, for running performance. So, Karen, with the, with the runner in mind, what are the, the key advantages to adopting a vegan diet? Well, there is research and it's actually UK specific research, so it may be different for different countries. But but there is research over here in the UK that suggests that the vegan diet per se, so whether you're a runner or not, um, could help prevent or even reverse some of the leading chronic health conditions that we currently face in this country. And some of these in- conditions include the likes of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, which is growing and growing, and also hypertension, so that high blood pressure, um, high cholesterol levels, but also certain cancers and um, the potential for stroke. 
Now, the studies suggest that the health benefits of the vegan diet are generally attributed to a higher intake of um, the likes of fiber, the plant proteins, plant-based unsaturated fats, and also phytochemicals found in um, fruits and vegetables. So these are the biologically active compounds that are are, um, found in abundance in many fruits and vegetables. So an example of these phytochemicals are the antioxidants that's found in there. And it's, it's sort of having a high intake of these particular foods alongside a lower intake of saturated fats, including the likes of fatty meats, full fat dairy products, lard. I don't think lard is used quite as much these days, but you can actually still, you know, I do still see it on the shelves. So, and I don't know if people still use them when they're making roast potatoes, because I believe they make really nice, it does make really nice roast potatoes. I've no idea. I've never tried it. I just want to tell you a little funny story about lard Karen you know last summer I, I was on the coast to coast walk with my friends and a couple of my friends are vegetarians and we were staying in lots of different places uh, along the way and, and one place we stayed in was a farm and when we arrived there the um, the, the farmer's wife was doing the cooking and she um, she said that she was going to do a beef casserole. Would that be all right? And we said, well, actually, no, a couple of us are vegetarians. So she said, oh, it's all right. I'll make a quiche. And she made this really lovely quiche. And she proudly announced us that the the pastry was nice and short because she made it with lard. And my vegetarian friends nearly died on the spot. So lard is alive and well, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and interesting that that lady didn't actually understand the impact of no, using no, an animal a product mm. from an animal. But anyway, so so the the vegan diet is thought to be supportive to health because it, it's got a, a much um, reduced level of these saturated fats, which includes the lard, but also a reduced um, intake of processed and refined foods. So those foods such as cakes and pastries, processed meats and um, fried foods. And, you know, overall, really, a, a vegan diet is generally thought to have a lower energy density, therefore could be supportive um, for weight loss as well. So really could help encourage that appropriate body composition for a runner. So lots of potential benefits to a vegan diet for our health generally. Yeah, just picking up on what you mentioned there about um you know, the potential to have a lower intake of processed and refined foods. I think, you know, when you are following a vegan or a vegetarian uh, food plan, it's really important to still focus on freshly prepared foods and not go down the route of the highly processed vegan products that are in all the supermarkets, because some of them may not be as healthy as they could be. I just thought I'd mention that there. So, um, yeah, so just moving on from what you said there, Karen, um, there's lot, obviously lots of potential general health benefits for a vegan diet, uh, if whether you're a runner or a non-runner. But I'm just wondering if you know, are there any particular training or performance specific benefits to adopting a vegan lifestyle? 
Yeah, well, I have to say, Aileen, as I often say, you know, currently the research into sports specific benefits to a vegan diet are limited, but they are increasing. And that is mainly due to the increase in this diet's popularity in the sort of general population, but also in the athletic world and the fact that there are sort of um, well-known athletes adopting it as well. It's sort of leading, starting to lead to more research but being done. But what has been alleged to date is that uh, potentially a vegan diet may offer performance benefits and that's due to the increase in antioxidant intake as well as an increased intake of vitamin C and vitamin E and also um, the carbohydrate rich foods which could support training um, also a help enhance recovery from training so these are the two areas that they found that um, just this uh, this increased intake of these different foods could support but like I say more research is needed to to validate these different claims. Yeah and you, you mentioned earlier Karen that um, a vegan diet could support appropriate body composition, um, mostly due to the lower en- energy density of foods consumed, which could be seen as a benefit, especially for runners who ideally require lean body mass. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. However, lower energy density foods could also be seen as a disadvantage. So it could it could go either way, really, because um, for some, it might lead to insufficient energy intake. So that low energy availability for training and performance. So you're absolutely right. That could be a benefit for um, lean body mass. But if there isn't enough taken on, then that's going to lead to complications. Mm, That's a really good point, Karen. And that lower energy availability is something that we discussed in more detail in episode 54, excuse me, I'm going to cough, uh, which is uh, eating enough to run. So if you um, are concerned about are you eating enough, maybe check out that uh, episode. Um, So it's really important that you remember to take on sufficient energy, whether you're following a vegan diet or whatever your food plan is. And uh, that episode will really give you some good tips on what to do. Um, So now um, let's just continue that um, discussion, Karen, and staying on the theme of any potential disadvantages of the vegan diet, um, looking at how a vegan diet might potentially hinder running performance. Uh, What would you say are the primary causes? Well, I have to say that I think that the biggest trigger or driver of a vegan diet causing reduced running performance is its implementation. And what I mean by that is really that the individual potentially doesn't put the effort or or planning into their food choices, really to ensure that their diet does contain all the key nutrients required for their general health, but also for their performance. Now, this could be due to various reasons, but potentially due to a a lack of knowledge, really, Uh, maybe just a lack of interest in that. They just want to to take out the animal foods and they're not really um, thinking or interested in in the alternatives to ensure that they're getting those nutrients. Or maybe it's just a lack of time and they're just choosing foods that they know are vegan and they're convenient and they're not really thinking about um, what the nutrient value uh, of them are. So 
and what I would say is if the if the diet is poorly planned and poorly constructed, it could really predispose um, a runner to both macronutrient and micronutrient insufficiency. And then eventually that will, um, if not addressed, could lead to um, nutrient deficiency. And the, the primary macronutrients that I'm thinking of here that might become um, insufficient are protein and the omega-3 fatty acids. And the micronutrients that um, could become insufficient, um, potentially deficient, are um, vitamin D, B12 I'm thinking of. Also vitamin D, um, although as long as they're getting outside frequently, um, especially during the summer, that, that might not be an issue. Uh, calcium, iron, zinc, and also iodine. Um, although with iodine, it is thought that depending on a vegan's food choices, um, it, it, the, the iodine could be excessive or insufficient um, because because a it really depends on their diet choices, like I say, because some vegan um, um, individuals eat quite a lot of sea vegetables, seaweed, things like that. Now, that's really high in iodine, so they could potentially um, uh, take on too much, but there also is the fear that they might not take on enough. Don't oh. worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one. I mean, I, I quite like seaweed sprinkles, so I quite like sprinkling them on salads and vegetables, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't necessarily eat them every day. So yeah. I suppose it's just uh, getting a balance, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so we are going to discuss um, these particular nutritional factors in a little bit more detail uh, later on in the episode. But before we do that, let's outline some of the potential detrimental effects to running performance from a poorly planned vegan diet. Um, so some things that are coming to mind here, Karen, are you know, the potential for an increased risk of stress fractures, especially if the overall energy availability is low. So if, if they're not eating enough uh, and if calcium and vitamin D levels are compromised. So I think that would be um, obviously a really quite serious problem. Um, another thing would be um, reduced muscle mass. So that might be as a result of suboptimal protein intake. Um, so I think particularly if somebody's swapping from an animal-based diet to a plant-based diet, they might find in the first few months or year that their body composition really changes and maybe they notice the muscle mass is reducing and it could be due to protein intake not being optimal. Um, then, you know, you mentioned um, the cardiovascular um, potential issues. So that they, 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 those people could be at an increased risk. You might not realize it, but uh, you could be at an increased risk of cardiovascular con um, conditions. So things like poor heart rate variability, uh, vasoconstriction, um, and that might be a result of insufficient omega-3 fatty acids. Um, and then finally, um, also you might notice that there's a poor recovery from training, and that might be as a result of low energy and fatigue, which could be linked to insufficient B12 and iron intake. So there's a few things that um, a runner would need to um, sort of prepare against those risks, really. Was, is there anything else that you would add, Karen? 
Yes, Aileen, there are a couple of things I would add there. Um, you mentioned about low iron intake and its effect on, on recovery from train, training. And it is also thought that low iron availability could result in um, reduced endurance capacity and um, increased energy expenditure and also impaired adaptations to um, endurance exercise, especially in female female athletes. And I suppose that would be linked to um, to the fact that they have a, a monthly menstrual cycle. So as well as, as energy, there are, there are various other ways that uh, low iron availability could affect a runner and their performance. And also thyroid dysfunction. And this could be as a result of potentially excessive or insufficient iodine that I was speaking about earlier, um, as well as low iron intake. If there's a low iron intake, then um, it could be that that um, the thyroid gland is is working insufficiently as well. Now, the thyroid controls metabolism. So if its function is compromised, that rate of metabolism could become disrupted. And again, that um, could affect your running performance, but also recovery. And, and we spoke about that low energy availability, Aileen, earlier. Now, that I think could potentially have far-reaching effects, including um, com- compromised immunity, and that could then lead to an increased risk of illness, therefore time away from training. And um, it um, it could also lead to that excessive weight loss, leading to then reduced strength, reduced muscle mass that you spoke about, and poor training adaptations. And again, that could take them out of that, depending on how severe it is, take an athlete out of their training altogether. So getting the balance of the of energy intake versus energy um, output is really, really key. Good. So it's all about just being aware of everything and um, making sure that you you've got a well-balanced diet that takes in, on board all of these nutrients to protect against the things that we've been talking about. Um, So moving on from that, Karen, are there any female factors that we should be considering that are linked to a vegan diet? Yes, actually, there's just a couple that um, I wouldn't mind mentioning. Now, again, the low energy availability that we've been speaking about, it it is thought to be more common in female athletes than male their male counterparts. Although you know there there does seem to be a growing amount of male athletes that that do um, have the effects and the symptoms of low energy availability. Um, but but female athletes, especially in the the sports in, where lean body mass is required, it seems to be quite high. And and also some athletes could adopt the vegan diet as a way of reducing their body mass through that low energy intake. So it could be con- a conscious decision or an unconscious decision to to, to reduce that energy availability. And a vegan approach to eating can be an easy way of doing that. Now, it has also been found that female vegans appear to have lower iron stores than female omnivores. So females who eat meat as well as plant-based foods and also um, appear to be more prone to iron deficient anemia. But um, male vegans um, appear to have a similar iron status to their male omnivore counterparts, which 
which is interesting, actually. Yeah, it's surprising, actually. Yeah, because you would think that, okay, we understand why women are lower than men because, or have a lower status than men because of the menstrual um, um, cycle. However, the fact that the counterparts, the, the female counterparts are different, but the male counterparts are the same, I thought was an interesting point. Also, uh, male, male vegans um, appear to be less impacted by iron status than female va- vegans, which would make sense, I think, like I've just said, due to that menstrual cycle, which is known to impact significantly in some people um, on iron status. And then just the other point here, again, about iron, um, iron deficiency without anemia is um, known to reduce endurance capacity, increase energy expenditure and repair endurance exercise adaptations, like I mentioned earlier. And that um, seems to occur in females. So um, and this this seems to occur when iron is deficient at tissue level, not necessarily storage level. So yeah, and we do have a, an episode just to mention um, yep. called Iron Woman, I think it's called. And uh, I'm sure in that episode, we talk about the all the things that you need to do to make sure that your iron levels are optimal, whether you're a vegan or um, taking your, your iron from animal sources. So that would be a good one to look back on, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I would I would encourage people to go back if you're at all concerned, like you say, whether you're a vegan or not, if you're concerned about your iron levels, then it would be worth listening to that episode. So I think what all this information says is that, you know, although a well-planned vegan diet could really support a runner, um, it has to be one where there is consideration to all the different nutrients that are required. And if it's if you don't pay attention to these these nutrient considerations, then it could impede running performance. And um, and female vegan runners need to be extra careful, especially around those um, that energy intake and iron status. So just some um, food for thought there. So, Aileen, before we move on to discuss some of the key nutrients in a bit more detail, um, shall we just take a short advert break and I'll hand back to you? Okay, thanks, Karen. So the number one question we get, whether um, people are following a vegan diet or not, is I don't know what to eat to help my running. And uh, a little bit like Karen was saying earlier about a vegan plan, if you don't have a plan plan for your running, your food to support your running, uh, you're going to have a problem, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, We designed our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program to make it very simple for people to get an easy nutrition plan. And we can't emphasize the easy part of easy nutrition enough. So it's easy to listen to. There are easy action steps which build up into a food plan and some, some good healthy habits. There are easy recipes, food lists and planners so that you don't have to think too hard and you can get on with the action steps. Um, And all of this is very easily adaptable into a vegan diet. Um, The the Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program is a video program 
but it's more than just a video program because as part of the uh, package, you also get a bonus one-to-one -one food diary review call with us as part of the program. And you get an invitation to our program support group and coaching circle, which means that we're here every week to answer your questions. Um, and one of our clients, Kay, um, is part of the, the program. And after her bonus call, she emailed to say, thanks so much for yesterday. It's really helped me and I'm feeling really motivated. So giving that extra one-to-one uh, -one help over and above the video really does help people put everything into practice. Um, and we just get a real buzz out of helping our clients make the most of easy nutrition out of healthy runners for healthy runners. So if you've been listening today and you think you'd like to know more about how to apply everyday nutrition alongside sports specific nutrition, then we think this program is a great place to give you the information and easy action steps too. Um, and if you're interested in finding out more, you'll find out all the details on our website, which is runnershealthhub.com. If you look up at the top menu bar, um, click on work for us and below that you'll find the program. And if you've got any questions at all, please email us at hello at runnershealthhub.com. If you are interested in buying the program, uh, we'd like to uh, offer you a special coupon uh, code discount. And if you use the coupon code POD, that's P-O-D, that will give you a 33% discount off the full price. And that brings the price down to £199. And you'll find all the details in our show notes too. So if you hop onto the show notes, you'll find a link that will take you to the program. Great. Thanks, Aileen. Okay, so now let's delve into um, maybe a couple of the key nutrients that we mentioned earlier in a little bit more depth. Now, we're not going to spend any time on iron because, as you said, Aileen, we, we do cover that in, in a lot of detail in episode 25, Iron Woman. Um, we also discuss calcium in, in quite a lot of detail as well in episode 52, Focus on Calcium. So I think the, the two nutrients that we'll probably have time to discuss here are um, protein and um, vitamin B12. So let's start with protein. Now, I have to say, I do think it's quite easy for a vegan to consume protein-rich foods, um, although the research does suggest that overall, someone following a vegan diet consumes less protein besides um, their omnivore or vegetarian counterparts, actually. But I think the issue with the vegan diet and the vegan protein sources is that plant-based protein-rich foods don't contain complete protein. And what I mean by that is that they, they don't contain all of the nine essential amino acids. Yeah, and just to remind everyone, the amino acids um, are the building blocks of protein, um, some of which the body can produce internally from other nutrients and compounds, whilst others we need to get from the diet because the body's un unable to make them. Um, and they're known as essential amino acids. Um, yeah. So that's what Karen was uh, mentioning there. Yeah, thanks for puncturing me there, Aileen, and clarifying that. That's helpful. It's just a bit of revision. Now, of these nine essential amino acids that we've mentioned, the branch chain amino acids, which are leucine, isoleucine, and valine, are three of them. And as um, 
well as being deficient in certain plant-based protein foods, in plant foods where amino acids, um, the essential amino acids are found, they are found in much lower quantities than in meat. So you might find some plant-based protein foods don't contain any of the um, um, the branch chain amino acids, or if they do, then they might be at reduced levels. And in fact, that goes for all of those essential amino acids. Now, as we know, the essential amino acids are key to that um, muscle protein synthesis, with leucine being the primary trigger of the, the muscle protein synthesis, as well as also being key in promoting recovery and adaptation from exercise as well. So, you know, the evidence does suggest that the milk based proteins are superior to um, to soy protein, to a soy protein equivalent, actually, um, promote, in promoting the, the muscle protein synthesis and muscle hypertrophy, so building big muscles, which is thought to be due to the, the milk's excellent amino acid composition. So it contains all the uh, essential amino acids, but also in abundance besides the, the, the plant-based ones. Now, it isn't, I have to say here, I also think it, it, it isn't just about how much protein is consumed. It's also about how much protein is absorbed. Now, animal protein is thought to be much more readily absorbed from the digestive tract than plant-based protein. And this is principally because of um, anti-nutrients that are naturally found in, in certain foods. But what they do is that they they have the capacity to inhibit the absorption of some of the protein that is consumed. And um, for example, here for plant proteins, the likes of phytic acid and trypsin inhibitors that are found in certain foods. Um, in fact, the trypsin inhibitors are, are found in soybean and they can sort of bind to the, the, the proteins um, inhibiting their absorption. Okay, that's really uh, quite interesting because I've never really thought about anti-nutrients affecting protein absorption, Karen. We, the focus we tend to put on is um, the effect of micronutrient absorption, such as iron and zinc. So really due, due to the various factors affecting protein and acid, amino acid availability, um, if you are following the vegan diet, it really would be prudent for a runner to consider a increasing their intake of protein and ensuring that the protein sources are varied throughout the day so that you're making sure that you get an adequate amount of the essential amino acids, especially those branch chain amino acids that you mentioned, Karen. So just to mention some of the protein-rich foods, um, again, questions that we often get asked, you know, what protein-rich foods can I include in a vegan diet? So you you mentioned soybean there, Karen, and, and its products. So things like tofu and tempeh, um, they offer complete protein um, for those things uh, and then beans and legumes they're a very good source of lysine and that is um, the most commonly absent amino acid in plant protein foods so if you um, can make sure that you're including them in your diet that's going to be really helpful uh, lentils include a good leucine source and as you mentioned earlier that's the one that triggers the muscle protein synthesis uh, cascade and then you could also think about including seeds, tree nuts and chickpeas 
they're good sources of uh, valine and isoleucine and they're the other two branched chain amino acids. So as you say, Karen, that they're all there. It's just all about making sure that you have enough of them uh, regularly. Exactly, exactly. And another um, food that contains a, a complete protein that is um, that is is vegan friendly is chia. That's a, another mm. good, a oh, good um, easy one to add in as well. Yes, exactly, exactly. You can just put a spoonful into most things actually of chia. So, so quinoa does quinoa fit into that? Quinoa, yes. Yeah, quinoa is a is a complete protein as well. So there are a few out there. It's just about being mindful that although they're complete proteins, they have reduced levels of the different amino acids besides the um, besides the meat equivalent. Yeah. So so really, if you were to think about how you could get a complete a complete protein in your diet. It, it, maybe if you have a, a lentil sa- salad with added chickpeas and then sprinkle some mixed seeds on top of that, you would be consuming most of the essential amino acids, but definitely all of the branch chain amino acids. But just remembering that this is going to be in smaller quantities than than the meats or dairy um, sources. And maybe another uh, example of a cook a food combination that might provide you with all the essential amino acids is combining brown rice and lentils and again you could have that as a salad or you could have sort of a lentil curry on a base of of brown rice so there are different ways of um of incorporating a um, full full um essential amino acid array into your diet. But like we were saying earlier, it does need to be planned and um, you really need to think about the, the food choices that you make. Now, interestingly, the current literature does suggest that it isn't necessary to consume the complete array of essential amino acids in one meal as long as you consume them all by the end of the day, really. So you could have, say, I'm saying about having um, lentils and brown rice in the same meal. But if you had lentils at one meal and um, brown rice at another meal, then clearly the, the, the guidelines are saying that's OK as long as you get the sufficient by the end of the day. But I have to say my personal feeling is that this might be okay for a non-active person, but but as runners, you know, I think trying to to consume a complete protein at each meal might be more beneficial for that muscle protein synthesis, for the recovery, for adaptations to to training, etc. But I, I have to stress that that is my personal opinion. This isn't actually what the literature is saying at the moment. Um, and just before we move on, Aileen, you mentioned earlier that it might be important for a vegan to increase the amount of protein that they consume daily, which is absolutely right. And there are guidelines around that as well. And it is um, it is thought that for for runners and, and actually all endurance sports, um, having 1.2 grams to 1.4 grams per kilogram of body weight per day um, would be a good place to start. Now, clearly, that would need to be adjusted up depending on your training load. So that's as a baseline, really, as a vegan runner. 
And then if you do um, strength and power um, sports as well, and that might include sort of um, um, power and strength work in the gym, if you're doing quite a bit of that as well, then they suggest that 1.6 grams to 1.7 grams per kilogram of body weight per day would um, be a good baseline. So, so really, this is significantly higher than the current recommendations from most non-active people, which is um, a, a, a daily intake of 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight. So, um, so an increase is is important. Great, that's uh, really good to have some guidelines, Karen. Um, so we're, we're sort of um, moving on time-wise. Uh, so let's just discuss one more nutrient before we close. So um, I think you mentioned vitamin B12 earlier. So I think that would be a really interesting and appropriate nutrient to discuss because it's well known that it's not possible to attain a adequate levels of, it, of this vitamin, especially when you're following a vegan diet. And there was um, an interesting study, and it's called the EPIC Oxford Cohort Study. So EPIC standing for uh, European Prospective Investigation into Cancer and Nutrition. And um, that study suggested that approximately 50% of the vegans within the study had a very low vitamin B12 status. Uh, and what was interesting about this was that approximately 20% of, of that group were taking vitamin B12 supplements but clearly not enough to attain adequate levels of vitamin D, uh, B12, sorry. Um, so as we know, vitamin B12 is found in meat and dairy products predominantly. And, um, you know, I won't go into where they come from, but, um, you know, there is an animal-based vitamin B12. And um, we, you know, that's predominantly where we get them from food. Um, so, Thinking about what you would do if you were a vegan, uh, Karen, and you weren't able to get vitamin B12 from your food, what would you do? Yes, well, um, you know, you asked the question, so uh, are there any plant-based foods that provide vitamin B12? Well, well, really, no, there isn't. Um, and so if following a vegan diet, really, apart from supplementation, the only way of consuming vitamin B12 would be through um, fortified foods. Uh, so foods that have been fortified with this vitamin, with B12, and there are some foods out there that are uh, that are fortified, some breakfast cereals, um, also some plant-based milks, tofu sometimes. And now you would need to check because not all of these foods, not all of these products are um, fortified, uh, just certain ones. And, and also dairy alternative yogurts are sometimes um, fortified with it. And of course, nutritional yeast contains um, some vitamin B12 as well, but it's, it's limited amount. Um, but uh, what I th also think is worth remembering that it has been found that supplemental supplemental vitamin B12, so um, supplements taken in, in um, tablet form um, or capsule form, is poorly absorbed when we take it orally. Now, the principal limiting factor to this is thought to be intrinsic factor. Now, intrinsic factors are, are like a a protein that's secreted in the stomach. Now, what can happen is that 
this intrinsic factor binds to vitamin B12, therefore preventing its absorption. And one study um, that I was reading noted that from ingesting um, sort of a 500 microgram supplement, only 10 micrograms was actually absorbed. So um, I think, it, you know, because that sounds as though, gosh, only only sort of 500 micrograms was given and 10 micrograms was actually absorbed. But we don't need vast quantities on a daily basis. And, and we can store vitamin B12 in the body as well. And the current daily recommended intake, um, and this is for most people, is as low as 2.4 micronutrients um, per day. So so really, in a way, that dismisses the study that says only 10 micrograms would be absorbed because we potentially only need 2.4 micrograms. But that's really just to prevent illness. That's not looking at optimal levels of vitamin B12 for an individual. And these are non-active individuals as well. Um, and that's for both males and females. The thought it's thought that two point four micrograms per day is enough, but it does. This, the the guidelines suggest that if you are following a vegan diet, to increase the intake to six micrograms per day. So there is a bit of an an, an increase there. Okay. I mean, one of the things that I think we would recommend is that. If you are following a vegan diet, it's really important to monitor your status regularly. Um, and um, if you're unable to maintain an adequate intake uh, to support vitamin B12s, it's worth discussing this with your GP or another medical professional um, because you know they may need to um, offer you a different way of of having your B12 um, and, and some instances um, they prescribe B12 injections, you know, if you're in a vulnerable group. Um, outside of that, I'd suggest that you would consider doing a B12 test um, to establish what your B12 status is and that will inform you on how much to supplement uh, and, and test that periodically. And again, that's something I would suggest if I've in the past had a client who's wanted to move from an animal-based diet to a vegan um, plan that they do a test to see what their base is and then you know maybe sometime in the following year do another test and um, that just helps them know the impact the vegan diet is having and if they need to take supplements so just um just following on from that Karen we you mentioned omega-3 fatty acids is another nutrient um, that can't be obtained from a vegan diet. Um, so we haven't really got time to talk about that, unfortunately, today. Uh, but I think it's just one just to remind people of to, um, you know, make sure that they are looking after that aspect of their food plan and will maybe feature it in a future episode but if, if anybody does feel it's a concern uh, we'd advise you to consult with a nutritional therapist again there are tests out there to assess your omega-3 fatty acid status and uh, we're always here to help you if you would like to book a call to discuss your needs um, all you need to do is go to our website click on the work with us um, button and you can book a, a free call and then we can talk to you about our suggestions about how you might want to work with us going forwards.
So, so that sort of brings us um, almost to a conclusion, Karen, today. Um, I hope that's been helpful for everybody. But just before we go, um, would you take us through the key takeaways from this episode, please? Yeah, sure, Aileen. So the vegan diet like I said, is becoming more and more popular, certainly in the UK and across Europe and possibly as elsewhere, mostly in the Western world, it would it would appear. Um, there are several well-known athletes who follow a vegan diet, suggesting that it could be an approach to eating that may support athletic performance. Um, it, but it would be really important to pay attention to key nutrients that... that um, that are essential for a vegan diet and for a vegan um, um, individual who is also a runner. And these nutrients include protein, omega-3 fatty acids, iron, vitamin B12, but there are others as well. These aren't just the, the only ones. It has to be noted that, that certain nutrients can't be obtained from a completely plant-based diet. Therefore, supplementation um, would potentially be recommendation. For example, I'm thinking here of uh, vitamin B12 that we discussed and omega-3 that you mentioned there um, just now, Aileen. And to attain an adequate intake of the other nutrients, the diet would really need to be varied and attention paid to the potential of anti-nutrients that could limit the absorption of them. So I think that is a really key point that I I, I, I don't think many people consider are these anti-nutrients, which are natural and naturally found in foods, but they can uh, um, limit absorption of certain nutrients. And then finally, research does suggest that a well-planned and appropriately constructed vegan diet could be nutritionally adequate for most individuals. However, there is currently very little evidence-based research supporting the vegan diet for athletes. I have to say most of the evidence at the moment is still either anecdotal or clinical, but hopefully that will change in the near future. And that would be it, Aileen. Okay, thanks, Karen. Well, it's been really interesting discussion today. And remember, if you're following a vegan or even a vegetarian diet, and think you might be struggling to attain adequate nutrient intake, then please do get in touch with us to see how we can work with you to help you attain your nutri nutri nutrition and performance goals. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well, this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs, Eats, Performs, brought to you by Runners Health Hub, helping female runners to be fitter, faster and stronger we really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs, 
First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.